And then once again, I declare that understanding, special insight, God will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. The word will enter your heart to give you light, to give you direction. Now, it will heal you in every area. That is very important. It will heal you in every area. And it will make you more than ever before, like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, let's continue looking at what uh, salvation is. Something we've been on for a few meetings now, and I think I'm having a nice time uh, discussing that again. This is what salvation is. What is salvation? You know, let me just say something to us quickly. Uh, Let's read something from the book of, um, um, I think, Mark, something that he said. I want to read the Amplified uh, Bible. First of all, we know that it's important we bear in mind what we contemplate, that is, we are careful what we contemplate all the time. It's very important, and that's because spiritual things are real. Spiritual things are real. Spiritual things are real. What do I mean by spiritual things are real? What we mean is that what controls what you see physically are the things that are occurring in the realm of the spirit. What controls what you see physically are not the things that are outward, but the things that are occurring in the realm of the spirit. So, if I allow confusion into my spirit, it will affect how I make decisions, physically speaking. If I allow diseases into my spirit, it will affect how I react when viruses fly around, when malaria wants to come. When Ebola is raging, these things are spiritually determined. Now, let me just remind us again. That's one thing about Christianity. It helps us with insight. It helps us with understanding. He said, by faith, we understand. Without faith, we have no understanding. What I mean is that when things occur on the earth, the word of God helps us to understand what really happened and why it happened. Without the word of God, we may be in confusion. So, a time came in Egypt, overnight, young boys died in households all over the place. I want to say something to you, be very careful as a believer. If that thing happened today, let me tell you what happened. They will invite WHO, they will invite NCDC, Nigeria Center for Disease Control, and they will find out the disease that happened. They will find out, we will find something. You know why we find something? Because we're always looking. And he that seeks, we find. And then whatever be the best explanation we find, we present it as a truth. And then the world will go on as if that is the truth. A time came in Israel, a plague broke out from the periphery that is away from Jerusalem. And it killed people. It killed 70,000 in a day and a half. Do you understand? 70,000 a day and a half. Again, if that happens today, we will get um, NCDC. We will get infectious control people. Pathologists will have to work to quickly find out what killed this individual. The microbiologists will be there. You see them studying and studying. And at the end of the day, that's the mistake people make. They think we'll not, they, they will not say we didn't find anything. They we will find something. And not like we are lying, physically speaking. We will find the virus. We'll find the anthrax. We'll find the um, plague. All right. We'll give you a big name, Yersinia pestis. 
and they will see how it spread. And they will tell ourselves all kinds of ways to prevent it. But by faith, we understand. So let's go back. In Egypt, by faith, we understand that Moses will tell us ahead of time. That God said, this night, I'm going to give Egypt my last card. And then they will let you go. Just watch it. Overnight, you start hearing, um, uh, pr- uh, what do you call it, crying everywhere. And we will know that an angel or a messenger of death went in and, use the old English, smote the firstborn of the Egyptians. Any explanation after that is, is explanation. Let me put it like that. The truth is that God said it's a time to let people go. The death was not an accident. It was not a virus. It was not the bacteria. It was that God said, this night I'm no, avenging myself of my adversaries. Let's go back to the other story in Israel. Then some will have told us ahead that David sinned and God is angry and God gave him a choice of three and he picked one and that says three days in the hands of God and this calamity will go on for three days. Then David goes to pray. He, he is not saying NCDC should not do its work. He's not saying that WHO should not do his work. But he said the real work, the real work is to interrupt these things spiritually. So he goes to the threshing floor of Onan and then goes to offer a sacrifice. And then the plague stops after a day and a half. And then when we want to, people think that if God's doing something, Senate will come and say, we don't know what happened. They always know what happened. They will tell you, when I say they always know. It may not be the truth, but they'll tell you that what happened is that it was that um, the control that was introduced. Listen, there's one disease those days when we were in school. They taught us a very interesting disease. I won't give you the name, all right? I'm not here to teach you medicine. It's a skin rash. It's a very funny skin rash. It doesn't kill. It just has a very funny look. You know, like measles. Okay, but it's not measles. I'm talking about measles now. Of course, in children and adults, it starts, it's annoying because you don't know what it is. And then it itches a bit, but not so much. So we know what happens. People start treating. And you know the truth? It always goes away after six to eight weeks by itself. Now, they told us something in school then. That people will keep on trying this and trying that and trying this and trying that. And the one that works when it is going away, it will be recorded in that family as it works. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Let's assume we say mix salt with sugar, put a bit of ororo on it, rub it, cook it overnight, or put in a hot oven overnight. In the morning, rub it on, all over the skin. Do it twice in a day. If you do that for, the, for three days, and before it starts fading away, what do you say? It, it's working. What you do not know is that the thing left on its own. It was going to leave you after six to eight weeks. Maybe, maybe in the seventh week you are trying this. And it clears. You now say, ha, ah, I've suffered for six weeks until this babalao told me to use this thing. And the next time you see it on somebody else, what do you do? You prescribe that. And if by accident you saw the person in his own sixth week, once it has worked twice, what do you say? It works. Then you start your own medicine company. What am I trying to say? That's how we are also. Don't think it's only lay people that do that. Even in medicine, that, that's what happens. After, it's all kinds of things being tried right now. When they say, oh, this one works, if it coincides with when David offers his sacrifice, I hope you get my point, we'll say that is what took away the plague. But like Christians, you must always understand, life is spiritually determined. 
don't get carried away by the physical things. They overlap. What I mean, they run side by side. The one that is leading actually is the spiritual one. I mean, think about it. A man like um, the king of Israel, uh, Judah, what is his name? Hezekiah. Hezekiah was sick. He had a problem in his leg. I don't know exactly what was wrong with him, but I can cook up all kinds of names to describe what, what may have been wrong with him. But God told him, put your house in order. You will die. You will not live. Then he prayed. God said, all right, you will live and not die now. You will die later. And then Isaiah said, let them make a cake of figs and apply to the ball. And they did, and the man got well. If you want to die, carry that thing and be applying all over town. And collecting people's money. They will soon write out on your head because <laughs> that was not what cured Hezekiah. That was not what cured him. What cured him was that God spoke and said, he will live, he will not die. Not for the next 15 years. I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say here. So let's bear, bear it in mind. Spiritual things are more important. People don't die by accident. I keep on saying it. You will not, not, not only you, nobody dies by accident. If you want to live, you understand? Pray and you will live. Life is a gift of God. If God says to you, you will not die, you will not die. There will be different ways to explain your surviving, but you will survive. So the story of the man who was on a, in a plane crash, I think he was the only survivor or one of very few. I think he was the only one, but a, um, a small plane. No, a plane was about to take over. Another plane landed. Well, landed on that one, basically. Tore it on both planes, burst into flames. And of course, they couldn't get away fast enough. So he saw the flame you know, rushing towards him. So he bowed his head and said a word of prayer. He wasn't even asking for deliverance. I don't know what really happened. But other people were praying for you. God said, no, you're not going anywhere. Next thing, the fuel tank near him exploded. And you know what that did? It threw him up through the roof of the plane. It happened to be that the other plane that crashed on top of their own caught a hole in the roof. So that explosion threw only him out. He landed on, so anyway, landed on the grass and he survived with small injury on his arm as he was passing through that, um, that uh, crack in the roof. Listen to me, people of God. It was not an accident. He wasn't lucky. He was appointed to survive. It was appointed that he would not die that day. Death is never an accident. If you want to live, pray. Don't exercise first. In fact, exercise will not help you live long. It won't. If you want to live long, pray. The power of God will clean your food. I'll be getting my point. The power of God will clean your food. It will. Angels will blow and poison will disappear. It's not a joke. When God says you shall eat deadly things, they will not hurt you. That you are still alive today is not because you've never eaten anything deadly. You have. But it was not your day to die. The poison nourished your body. And you survived. I hope you're getting my point. Why am I saying all of these things? I want Christians to be spiritual in their thinking. Doctors can't save your life. They can't. Doctors die too. 
One day, Ben Carson said something surprised me. The American neurosurgeons have a very short life expectancy. You had better retire early or you will die. Now, I'm trying to explain something. I want us to magnify truth. You understand? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to magnify truth in our minds. Because think about it. All this check up, check up, check up. Who checked Abraham up? Or you think Abraham's story is folktale? Who checked Isaac up? Who checked Jacob? Those men did not even know they had a blood pressure. You now that know, it's now you know that blood has pressure. Abraham did not know. But God sustained them. When I see the effort Christians sometimes, people claim to be Christians. The effort they put into physical, medical intervention. I'm, like, I'm not saying this is bad in itself. But you don't read your Bible enough. If you do, you behave less. That is, you, you know, I, I don't believe you allow doctors to experiment with you. If it's not clear what they are intended to go. Say so you will die, eh? If, you, if I stay with you, I will still die anyway. You, now you want on to experiment. The truth is that God is one that keeps people alive. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Caleb, Moses. Moses did not know blood had pressure. Moses did not know I had pressure too. One day I heard a woman speaking. I wanted to shout on her. I wanted to tear through the radio and tell her, shut up in the name of Jesus. Why? It says, world glaucoma day. World Glaucoma Day. You hear what I said? The day in which the world celebrates glaucoma. Well, they don't use the word celebrate. I'm the one that's... <laughs> but they recognize and talk about glaucoma. They have world diabetes. They have world, every disease, major disease has its day. And the woman was, a, of course, a specialist doctor. But it offended me because she was a religious person, a reverend sister. And we're interviewing the doctors on radio. He said, preach glaucoma the way you preach the word of God. I said, Father in heaven, you are, you, are, you are lucky I'm not your mother superior. That day I put you on, you, look, you are going to room for isolation. You have to meditate until some things won't come from your mouth again. I should preach glaucoma like I preach the word of God. What insult? Don't you know glaucoma bows at the name of Jesus? You don't know if we lift up the word of God, everything will bow. Why should I preach glaucoma? Okay, when you finish preaching it, will it save the sick? Will it save the lost? What is preach? Go and check your eye pressure. Okay, when I've checked and it is high, what do you give me? You put me on drugs for the rest of my life. Or you come and start poking needles in my eyes to create channels where you think channels are blocked. It works for natural people. But you know what the Lord said to Moses? You must understand that man does not live by bread alone. Now, list. I'd, I'd like to keep explaining what Moses said there so that we we'll get it clear. Moses was not saying that when you have bread, you add the word of God to it. The word of God is not one of the six nutrients. Are you getting my point? When they teach children these days, there are six classes of uh, nutrients or food. Thank you. Let's go through them. Carbohydrates. Proteins. Fat and oil, vitamins, minerals, and water. Thank you. Did not add water to it. I was surprised when I found that water has now been called a food. Okay, fine. So we think that Moses is saying, man shall not live by 
carbohydrate, protein, vitamins, and co. alone. But they shall add the seventh critical nutrient for survival, which is the word of God. That was not what Moses said. It's a misunderstanding of what Moses was saying. Or what God was saying through Moses. What he said is this. It is not only carbohydrates that give people life. What he said is this. Anything proteins can do, I have something else I can do better. What he said is this. Anything containing side fat and oil, minerals, um, vitamins, minerals, and water, all these things are also contained and more in the word of God. So he says, it is not only by bread that man lives. It also lives by what? The word of God. What he was saying is this. Where there's no bread, the word of God gives you the same energy and better one. Which is why Moses, listen to this. We used to say Moses fasted for 40 days. I said that until a few weeks ago. Then I read my Bible and found out that Moses did not eat or drink for 80 straight uninterrupted days. 80. Go and read your Bible. Until a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I used to say 40. That the person that fasted the longest in the Bible, there are three of them. Moses, the persons. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. 40 days. No, nobody came near Moses. Moses did 80 straight uninterrupted days. The first 40 days, he was on the mountain. Then he returned. When he saw what the people had done, he fell on his face, and they couldn't get him to eat or drink for the next 40 days. 80 days, Moses did not eat, he did not drink. Why did he not die? I'll tell you. Because man does not live by bread alone. It's not only bread that gives life. If God said to Moses, you are strong, instantly that, that word becomes energy in Moses. His heart starts beating stronger than before. If God says to Moses, you are well, every, every blockage in his artery will disappear. Every weakness in the eyes will vanish. Everything in his bones that was, was speaking of weakness, they will disappear. Strength will come to Moses' bones. Because God says to him, you are well. I hope you're getting my point. That was what he meant when he said, it is not only bread. You know what he was saying? You know those they used to tell us that, uh, and of course, when we started learning the word of faith, Christians, they came different categories of believers, different churches, all right? Different ones of us. There are churches that never, listen, you don't take medicine. If they catch you swallowing paracetamol, they will excommunicate you. John Alexander Dowie used to preach on doctors, demons, and drugs. No, doctors, devils, and drugs. To him, they're all the same thing. A doctor, devils, and drugs, then it's the same combination. Medical students rioted against his crusade one day. His own was so bad, he would get up every Sunday and preach again. So, if you're a member of Dawes Church, you don't go to hospital. And he wasn't joking. You know the truth? He has seen the power of God. He has seen medicine fail. He tapped into spiritual power because of a plague that was killing people, killing members of his church. 
After he tapped into that power, the man never rested again. As far as he was concerned, doctors were criminals who couldn't help people but be collecting their money. And he preached like that from the pulpit. Now, this is where I'm going. When I began to learn the word of faith many years ago, we didn't have that opinion. In fact, people like Kenneth Hagin will explain to you that, no, well, that was a bit of an extreme. But even though he said it was an extreme, he didn't used to go to hospitals too. He still believed that. Why? Because he was on his deathbed. The best doctors in the world had worked on his case, and they said he was going to die. They read the Bible, prayed to God, and he lived. So you don't blame him for the way he was behaving. I like one a testimony he gave. His son, I was his son, his daughter called him that she had warts or something on her hands or something on her face. Other her skin, her, someone did her skin. I don't know whether her face or hands. And the doctors, the, the school told her she needed to see the doctor. So he said, "All right, I will talk to my father first. And he was not at home. So the mother called and said, "What will she say when she gets back to school tomorrow?" I said, "Don't worry, I'll call in the morning." And he woke up. I think every two hours during the night. He would meditate on the scriptures and pray. Every few hours, two hours or so, or every hour, he would meditate on the scriptures and pray. And then in the morning, he called his wife and said, tell her to go to school. I've forgotten what he told the girl to tell her. She would tell them that she's aware. There's something she told her to say. By the time she got there, they couldn't find the lesions again. The man stayed up at night praying. He would sleep, wake up, pray for like 10, 15 minutes, go back to sleep. After some time, wake up again, pray for like 10, 15 minutes, and go back to sleep. And in the, so you don't blame him. When he says, it's a waste of time. Now, why am I saying all of these things? They will not be laughing at us. That that's what Christians do. They will not take medicine. They will not be dying. And I happen to work in the hospital. And I see those who take it also die. Everybody dies. Some die because the doctor touched them. They will, the sickness will have, lived, they will have been in pain, suffer for the next 18 months. Doctors will try to treat, they will die in three months. And they said the, the, the treatment failed. The treatment did not fail. It killed. Once they were laughing at me. This is how these doctors, these people do. Christian, you say you are not sick. Uh, they say, oh, are you feeling well? I just told them that I'm fine. <laughs> they say, you know he's a Christian. He will never admit he's well. But with all that noise, I had chicken pox all over my body. I woke up next morning, it was gone. Okay, you're abusing me, Abby. But It worked. I was, I woke up in the morning. My whole body had full of chicken pox. I see all my face. I put in Supernatural Living Series, tape two, David Oedipo. I listened to it for like one hour. When I was done, I put my hand on my head and I cast it in the name of the Lord. I woke up next morning. Even me, I was shocked. You know, you know the way you wake up, just rub your hand on your face. The smoothness of my face made me rush for the mirror. You are busy me yesterday. Today I got well. Who, he who laughs last. What are you saying? We have prayed before. Do you understand my point? And seen, I don't want, I'm not preaching on healing now. I will, have started, I will have stayed here for the next one and sharing one testimony after another with you. I remember once my sister was in one of my, the most dramatic in my life. When my father told me, hmm, he wanted to give me money, I rejected. Imagine he stood there rejecting money. Even if he had, maybe you would take more. But when I saw what he described to me, I knew he was in trouble he did not know. 
So he gave me money, I rejected it. Then we prayed. They woke up next morning and the sickness was gone. They didn't tell anybody anything. There was no GSM to even know. Well, when Nessie came to school to come and help me pack, I was graduating. And I said, oh, how's, how was that uh, my sister's ailment? I said, oh, we woke up next morning. We don't know what happened. She was fine. The swelling had gone. Everything was okay. He was so dramatic. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him. We prayed. I didn't tell him. I just, oh, thank God. Ne- Till he died, he never heard that testimony from my mouth. I just left it. What am I going to explain? Listen, spiritual things are real. I've told you, pray for people. Pray for yourself. Lay hands on the people in your household if you are the head there. Declare, invoke the name of God over your environment. Be reading so, by the time you finish reading, your head starts spotting, you know, that shape, that corona shape. Even women are doing corona hairstyle. Why did I go into that? Listen. Those they told us, ah, Christian, I said, listen. The Christians who said, you don't need to take medicine. They are not stupid people. Listen. Let me tell you the truth. I have been a doctor for 29 years this year. I have been a specialist since the year 1999. I'm not a stupid person. I have seen things. I have one of my colleagues. He said one day, <laughs> affliction hit him like this, Boza. It was in the north. He almost went blind. That somebody told him, <laughs> they look, say, Doc, this one, don't bother going to hospital. Go and see the elders. <laughs> we were laughing about it. He said, Bosa, I went home. We started praying. Young man in his 20s, go blind all of a sudden. He said, we started praying until I recovered. Let nobody come and lie to you that the Christians don't. Look, listen, you know what I found out? That's a, I was trying to say that I just wanted to get to this point. I've not lost track. Now, I do that a lot, all right, when you're preaching. What I was trying to say is this. I found out something. When, when I put everything together, the Christians that did not take medicine and the people that took medicine, the Christians did not die more than them. If anything, they lived more. That's where I was going. <laughs> One small, not really disagreement, nothing big about it. My mother-in-law and I, we used to have one small difference of opinion. That's a good way. She just has this belief that my wife and I will not agree to go and take medicine. I said, there's nothing wrong with medicine if you need it. So if she calls and says, hey, how are the children? So as the person is not feeling well. I visit the doctor. I said, there's a doctor in the house. Don't forget that one, number one. But you know, a prophet is not without honor. Except with his own people. Oh, look, my wife and I have discussed many times. I said at the end of the day, but this one you are saying, apart from immunization, which they take at, you know, birth and all of that, the only injections my children have taken is when they are with their grandmother, not in my house. And how many weeks are they there in a year? Maybe Christmas time. I said, oh, can't you see something is, is, is going on here? I said, we don't, we don't like it. But they always get well. I don't forbid medicine. No. I, I, not like I do. Of course, you give people anti-malaria, the body is hot. But a lot of times they come and say, my head is paining me. I say, go and tell your brother to pray for you. And then go and sleep. Most times, that's the end of it. And I'm not just... Through, uh, listen, I mean it when I say it. 
I take prayer as a tangible medicine. It is tangible medicine. I said, but look, the problem why prayer doesn't work sometimes is we, we, we are too professional with it. In the name of Jesus. And Father God, I won't stop all of that nonsense. Lie down. I said, God, this is where it's paining me. Put your hand there. I said, look, like, can you, let me have your hand. This is the place. In the name of Jesus, let it be healed. In Jesus' name. And give him, be patient. Don't be in a hurry. Don't just conclude it, not here, simply because you woke up next day, it's still paining you. I went to preach somewhere in Lagos. I preached like this. A woman came at the end of the day, gave me her testimony. He said, Pastor, in my family, my father, my mother, and four siblings. I think they're like five. Four siblings. He said, do you know I'm the only person that is not on antihypertensives? My father, my mother, all my siblings are taking hypertension drugs. All of them. He said, if I ever measure my blood pressure and it goes up, I go and pray. That's what she told me. He said, I go and pray. And ask the Lord, what is bothering me? What's on my mind? What is the burden I've put on, on myself that I have not yet cast upon you? He said, I pray and I try to relax. I think anything that's bothering me, I cast upon the Lord. He said, my blood pressure always comes down. He said, in my whole family, I am the only person that is not on drugs for hypertension. Because it's a medical will have said that she's predisposed. How much more predisposition? There's what we call familial diseases. Familial. See your family. Father get them, mama get them, bros get them, sis get them. You self collect. So you suppose collect your portion. Unless something is preventing it, which in this case, I you know there's one mistake we forgot. I should have told that woman. You're actually on medicine. It's the kind of medicine you are taking. You, you understand what I mean by that? Yes, you're carrying on medicine. She's just on prayer medicine. She's on prayer medicine. She's on prayer medicine. I don't know whether it's the same woman or another woman in that same church, that the one I finished ministering, because they were talking to me afterwards. She said that she wanted to give me a testimony. Another person, yes, another person just came to say, sir, that thing you preached. She said, that thing you preached, I have a testimony. She said once she woke up in the morning and had pain in her joints. So she went to see the doctor and they gave her, of course, like I told you, we have names. So we have names. If you come, I can give, I can read out. If you give me a few minutes, I'll give you 500 good, beautiful sounding names of diseases. We, we get them plenty. Even the ones we don't know what it is, we have a name for it. To the unknown sickness. We have a name for the unknown sickness. She said she got there that the doctor gave her a name. I think it was rheumatoid arthritis or one form of arthritis or the other. So she said, okay, this is medicine you will take. She said she thought about it. And, of course, there are many disorders we have in medicine that doesn't have a cure. There are plenty. The medicine we give is what they call control. I'll give you two of them. Very common ones that you know. Hypertension, diabetes. Both of them, there's no cure. Control is all that's offered. Control with this drug is better than control with that drug. Look at that glaucoma thing also. It's control. The only definitive treatment for glaucoma is surgery. But some people take drugs a lot because, well, it's, it works. So it's, but it's control. So this woman said, after discussing with the doctor, she said that she was heading for control. There's one problem with control. You take the drug for the rest of your life. 
So she said, no, I'm too young to start. She took a leave, took a few days, went for a retreat. The, day she, the place she went in, I think, somewhere in Ogun State. It's from Lagos. She went to, to the place, other Lagos, Ogun, where she went for the retreat. That when she arrived, it's a Christian center. She booked a room. She's going to stay a few days just to pray. That day, they had the program in that place. So she went for the fellowship meeting in the evening. And the man ministering said, there is a woman here. Describe what was wrong with her exactly. And said, the Lord said, I should let you know that you have been healed. And then, now this was the testimony she gave me. I went to Minsa in their church in Lagos. So, and then, she, left the, she went back, finished her retreat, and went back to Lagos. But the pain was still there. But she held on to that word. She knew that God knew she came. She knew the prayer she prayed, all right, was answered. And that prophetic word was genuine. She said, but the pain was still there. The same way she felt when she went was how she felt when she came back. But she said she knew that God had answered her. She just continued declaring to herself every day, God has answered me, therefore I must be fine. She said, I'm giving you her words. He said, you know, I forgot about the pain. It was maybe like a week later. I remembered I used to have a pain. She didn't know the day it went. How it went, which moment. She just realized, one day she just looked back and said, wait, wait. Last week I was in pain. So she can't tell you the day it went. So many months later, the thing started again. Uh-uh. Like Bishop Edeko will say that, eh? you took Panadol yesterday. Edeko went. He came back. They want to take it again. <laughs> Why are we afraid to take prayer again? The woman took the prayer again. And the thing responded again. And when she was telling him this testimony, the thing had been gone for months and months and had not come back to her. Satan sometimes departs for a while. Many of the things we feel, they are temptations. When, they come, when she comes back, you resist again. Please, I know where I began this from. I know, you know, I will say it should open somewhere. Mark chapter. Okay, I didn't tell the chapter. Okay, we're going to get there. Mark chapter 4. Okay, let's just read now. That's where I was going when I began all of this. So I've not forgotten what I'm discussing at all. What I just want to explain is that Christians, you know, I said it before, we have to be careful the realm in which we live. We are too. Now, please, what I want to say, don't take offense. It's not an insult, it's a description. It's like, say, it's like me saying that you eat five times a day. Is that an insult? If I say, okay, you don't eat every day, I mind insulting you. If I say you prefer beans to yam, is that an insult? So look at you, you prefer beans to yam. You won't be offended. They say, why are you saying it like that? I know that my wife knows. That's why she cooks beans a lot. You won't be angry. Like me, I prefer breakfast to any other meal of the day. I don't, some people say that they don't eat in the morning. I say, ha, and you are not dead yet. How do you manage? <laughs> I eat out of ten mornings. I eat nine. Oh, yes. It's the will of God concerning me. I don't know how to do it. But night, I can, I can sleep at night. I can fall asleep without eating. I can. I, I don't know. It just, I, I, I eat. I'm not saying I don't eat, but just like that one does it. But that breakfast, oh. This is why they call it breakfast. I've been fasted since last night. 
we have to break it. Now, now what I'm noticing is that, is that an insult? have you insulted me by telling me that you eat breakfast? Good. So what I want to say is not an insult. Christians, generally, we are very carnal. I don't mean carnal as an insult. It's just trying to describe us. We spend, what, what does carnal mean? Fleshly. What does it mean? We take most of our input from the flesh, not from the spirit. We spend more energy jogging, watching what we eat, than declaring the resurrection power of God upon our bodies. Yes, we do. There's very little difference between Christians and the world when it comes to health matters. What used to annoy me sometimes is that they, you see them following ignorance, that is, pursuit of ignorance, and they think they have wisdom. And a pastor will now vacate his pulpit and give it to them to lie to the people of God just because they say something different from what the doctor is saying. For me, once you are going the natural way, that is physical way, I stick with the doctors. All these people that carry herbs up and down, they are, nine, they are 50 times more confused than well-trained doctors. Let me just drop something for you. Don't be fooled by all these uh, African herbs. African herbs. Rubbish. What did I say? Rubbish and nonsense. If it, you know, let me tell you something about what... Some people think that medicine is... No, medicine is not white. African herbs and med, medicine, they are the same thing. The difference is that the orthodox medicine people, if you say this leaf works, Shebi is not spiritual, it's physical, right? They will look for at it and say, what works inside it? Must we chew the whole leaf to find out that there are two things inside that work? They will extract the two and throw away the rest, thereby reducing the amount of, the amount of uh, side effects they have to deal with. And then they can dose it. We have been using don't go yarrow for hundreds of years before they came, but we did not know the dose. You not get those, thank you. Just drink until you well. But we did not know, just by the way, that thing, that don't go yarrow, eh? That thing is very effective against malaria, but it also can stop your heart. But they know. They will extract it. It's the same thing. They will look for the quinine inside, pull it out. And say, there's quinidine, there's quinidac. All the others say, these are the ones that stop hearts, do all of those things. This one is less toxic. For adults, take this size. What I'm going to say is that if anybody wants to come with natural, that is physical way of getting well, me, I stick with the doctor. All these people that carry ginseng, um, aloe vera. No, there's always one grass curing everything at any point in time. What's the current grass that's working? Eh? Lemon grass, uh, lemon. There's, there's moringa, thank you. All kind, each, each grass has its own season. They will tell you that, uh, what's the name of this one? Ginger, yes. Ginger cures coronavirus. G- ginger mixed with garlic, thank you. We smell like an Indian. <laughs> Personally, if we have to go physical, I stick with proper orthodox medicine because it has an explanation. Both of them are using the same thing. It's just that one person has refined it, and it's not just... In fact, if I don't want to, I'll go and do acupuncture. At least we know we have left the normal... We are now dead. 
We are not delving into something else. Not as if you want to tell me that, uh, yeah, these doctors don't know what they are doing. You want to give me agbo? Me? Drink your agbo. <laughs> God forbid. They ain't drinking. I know this word. Everybody likes something that's from afar. Something that's from far. If one man says it's from Nepal, lands Nenuguna, and is selling the same grass at the back of your house, we boil it. But just because it's from Nepal, you believe it. That's why I see them in Enugu. Very funny. These boys come from Oyo State and Osho. They are Yenka's brothers. You see, they are cap. They put that cap deliberately to confuse the average Igbo man. So you just assume that he's from afar. And says, ah, Yorubama can do juju. His own must be working. <laughs> you now put, crush something, put inside Oguguru, and I will drink it. Just by the way, let me tell you the truth. Eh? I'm not trying to be funny here. Those things damage people's livers and kidneys. We find them in hospital all the time. Oh, yes, you finish, you finish drinking all kinds of rubbish. When your kidneys start work, stop working, we know where you will come to. I have one of my colleagues that studies those things, that, that these people just destroy their kidneys every day. You think it's every root. You know, there are some mushrooms, you chop it, except an angel is there to protect you. You are dead meat. So that's why if you want to go physical, personally, I'm telling you my personal recommendation. I go with the proper orthodox medicine, where people go learn anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, they learn how diseases work. Like I told you, there's a branch of pharmacy called pharmacognosy. It's herbs. They study herbs. They do it properly. Extract what is good inside. The Lord is good. Anyway, why was I, what was I talking about that one? But let me get back to my message. I, I said I was going to just help people with that one. Don't be, if you want to go physical, you know where to go. But let's leave that physical. Let's remember that the spiritual is more important. People are very, very carnal. They go so physical. Everything is physical. You know, sometimes, you know, there's something about physical science, medicine. Everything must have a physical explanation. All right. Okay, let me say almost everything for them to accept it. So if something happens, they have to find a physical explanation. If a man drops, like if in a family people live very long there, they start studying their genes. And please don't be impressed by those things. If you see some of the, because most of the decisions are made, made based on statistical uh, correlations with occurrence and experience. Well, what did I say? I don't know what I said. I just want to see what I got. Across. Okay, let's assume there's a particular gene called gene AY. Are you getting my point? If they find it in, in, in a particular family, if they live long, longer than usual, and they find the AY gene in them, more frequently than they find in the environment, they will assume that that increase of chorus is the reason for their experience of living long. I hope I get my point. And there's something I always say. What you are not looking for, you don't find. In fact, one man came once from, I think, Belgium or somewhere around there, came, gave us some lectures in um, Enugu here. And he explained that we shouldn't let drug companies deceive us, that they have a way of deceiving people that they will tell you that this new drug does this and does that. He said, once they found it at the end of their study, and they were not looking for it at the beginning, he said it's a lie. Because I won't give you details about that. There's something they tried to explain to us, that we shouldn't waste our patients' um, money prescribing expensive drugs just because one drug company shows up and says it's very good. He said, collect their publication, their statistics, look at it. He said, when you were testing, did you test for this advantage you said? If the answer is no, he said, even if they derive it at the end, he said, it's a lie. He said, because statistics can be made to say anything. 
So when I see people that are not very enlightened, they being swayed to and fro. I feel bad for them. Now, this is where I'm going. We know what you don't look for is very difficult. It's unlikely you'll find it. So, let me give an example. The Bible says there's a principle for long life, a number of them. We know it's a gift of God, right? One of them, he said, honor your father and your mother. That it may be well with you and that you will live long. Is that not in the scriptures? Do you know nobody studies it? Science will not study that. Just sit down and check how do they greet their parents in the morning? How do they obey what their parents say? When they've left the home, how do they communicate and share with their parents? I hope you're getting my point. All of those things, they are not checked. Because they are not checked, you don't know the effect. But you know, if you checked it, I can assure you, you will find that those who honor their father and their mother, and it becomes a culture in a lineage, they will end up living longer than average. If you bother to read a book like Malcolm Gladwell's um, um, Outliers, he says something which I believe that a study was done. They found that the particular community in, the, um, um, in America, they, they came from one, uh, they are immigrants from a part of Italy. They eat a lot of junk food. They eat a lot of nonsense, you know, what we call junk food, except that they don't have heart disease like the rest of America. That they've been looking for why. why People have they checked their genes, checked this. Okay, maybe they have a particular gene. He said there is one thing that is common to them. They, you know the way Africans greet? Have you seen a Lorimer and greet? It, really Lorimer. I don't mean all these modern people. I mean, original Lorimer. You know that they greet? It's a ceremony. When you meet each other, you bend down. I, I don't know what they are doing there. They will be there negotiating the greeting for the next one minute. <laughs> You can go and check it out. Now, they said those people, they do something like that. They sit and they waste a lot of time greeting each other. This normal, hi, hi. And they, you keep moving. It's not their portion. They will stop, hey, hey, hey. Let's, oh, give me an Italian name. Okay, thank you. Giovanni, where have you been? This is in church on Sunday. The Reverend Father was looking for you. Oh, little Giovanni, that you stayed there. With a lot of time, greet each other. If you tell them it's little Giovanni's birthday on Sunday, on Sunday, the whole community will come. Ooh, they will spend a lot of time and eat the junk food. So he concluded that their heart disease is being cleared by their social interactions. Some would disagree. Me, I know it's like that. A merry heart dwells good like medicine. I hope you're getting my point here. So, listen, I'm, I'm trying to drag, drag us to a particular place. So let's not get too carnal. That's what I'm going to make. You've read everything on how to exercise, how to watch your weight. The one that is annoying, one of my sisters and I will quarrel over it all the time. I call it blasphemy because they use the word hallelujah. They say hallelujah diet. I said, this is iniquity. Yeah, that's what I call it. Why well, use the word hallelujah? Rubbish. Let me tell you, I eat a lawyer diet every day. You know why? Every time before I want to eat, I give thanks for it. Father, I thank you for this food. I say hallelujah in Jesus' name. That is hallelujah diet. You can't come and bring me down to nonsense. Don't cook your food before morning. Where did you see that in your Bible? The people have made it a, a, a religion to study Jewish 
eating pattern. So see whether it's a key. key. I said, if you want to believe the Bible, believe it completely. Don't, be, don't believe the science part of it and forget the spiritual aspect. That same Bible told you, God told them, if you want to live long, keep your mouth from speaking evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. He says, seek peace, pursue it. Is that what he says? You want to check whether the, the, the wheat was, 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 had bran or did not have bran, whether you hear, as you run up and say, I want to eat whole wheat. Of course, I, I like some of our traders, they will just remove the, just write whole wheat for you. Go and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> You define whole wheat now. Eh? I see all kinds of things. People say those days our fathers used to eat fresh oil. Now we use oil that has settled. One day somebody was telling me that. I, I pinched my friend who we went there together. I said, when people have eaten and they are full, they have to look for what to do. That's all this one you are hearing. Man, I just eat my oil with thanksgiving. And one thing I know for sure, any vitamin that is lacking, God will tell an angel, put small inside his food. It will enter. As a matter of fact, the fundamental thing in life is for us to be spiritual. Spirituality is not, you know, people say you are too spiritual. No, you can't be too spiritual. If your spirituality is genuine, you can't be too. There can't be too in spirituality. If it is genuine, what does it mean to be spiritual? He said, by faith we understand. What does it mean to be spiritual? It means without faith there's no understanding. Anything I want to understand, I have to understand by faith. Why would people live long? This is spirituality. First of all, we take the scripture. What does the word of God say about it? What is the key to a long life? First, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Let's start with that. You want long life, you tap into Christ. The same power that raised him from the dead, that same spirit, is giving life to our mortal bodies by faith. So every day I tap life by faith. There are some righteous practices. We start from the spiritual angle. Honor your father and your mother. We'll never forget that. What does it mean to honor your father and your mother? Of course, when you are young, the way you greet, the Bible gives us instructions on how to behave before elders. An elder comes to your presence and says, a young man, good afternoon. He just says, hey, how can I help you? Don't be stupid. You stand up. Good morning, sir. How can I help you, sir? That's how it is done. In fact, some people are so good at it. You enter, you know, you've seen it. You enter an office. It's their office. But they look at you. You are older than them. They rise. You'll not be the man telling, you'll be the one telling the person in his own office. Please sit down. It's commanded in the scripture. These are the things that make, the, 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 that give long life. You do that for your parents. And then Jesus added another thing to it. He said, you make the word of God of no effect by your traditions. How? He said, the things that I could have helped my parents, you, you, you could have helped your parents with. He said, you say, it is my tithe. You say, it's my first truth. You say, I made a pledge in church. That's what Jesus, I'm not, not the one saying, Jesus said it too. He said, you say, Koban, which means devoted, dedicated. He said, listen to this. You make the word of God of no effect by your traditions. He said, what is that word? That word says, honor your father and your mother. What does that tell you? Part of honor is that your substance must move. That's part of honor. 
the midst of this lockdown, you must ensure, if you see our parents, are they eating? How are they doing? Are they well nourished? You share your food. You give to them as a matter of priority. Not what I have. Some people, you know, let me say something about giving. One reason why, you, if you don't get the order of giving right, you will never be able to give. What do I mean? Giving is first in the life of the believer. It's not what you do from change. I've encountered people again and again. They can't give. They always broke. Why are they always broke? And they are earning money. It is less contribute money for this. They are the ones that will not have. You never have money for anything. Anytime the guy is standing like this, and as you go, they shine like Temple of Solomon. Why? He gives to himself first. Expecting to give from the remaining. And in basic economics, we learned that the wants of man are inexhaustible. I've met people like that over the years. But if you made giving priority, let me say something. It's a, it's a pity that we, we pastors carry something to an extent. Which now made it ungodly. For example, the doctrine of tithing. When I started saying things like, if you don't tithe, you'll go to hell. Of course, that's not true. The Bible never said that. It's not true. If you don't tithe, you'll not prosper. It's nonsense. The Bible never said that. They didn't say all of that. So let's not go there, okay? But what I want to bring out is this. One reason why pastors invented some doctrines was to teach a spirit that give to God first. It's just a pity they carry to an extreme. So sometimes it appears as if you are disagreeing with people on solid truths. It's the extreme that has the problem. But the principle, if you read my teaching on giving, I explain that all the time. The concept of giving, all right, is that it is first, it's not second. You make it priority. I give people as an example, I say, listen, if you are leaving university, I mean, you, are, you, you just finished NYC, now you are earning some money. You don't need a car yet. A car can wait another two years. It can wait three years. What if you, if you didn't get that job? I've seen people, they'll get a job. They'll be pretending as if, no, no, I need to do this. But what if you did not get this job? There are certain land you must buy. Are you stupid? Are you planning to die tomorrow? Of course, they're going to sell you 500, you know, 450 square meters in one overpopulated area. If you had just waited till God has prospered you, you'll have gotten 2,000 square meters in a tush area. Your neighbors will be Dangote. I'm not a dollar. I'm Pastor Banky. <laughs> Relax. There's no hurry. I'll tell young people, I say, when you get like that, it's time to settle. You know, settle people. Settle your father. Settle your mother. Settle your uncle that helped you. Settle your younger ones. Let them enjoy some things that, look, a boy is now working. Don't start with yourself. Settle people. Of course, I don't, I don't mean start business for them. That's not what I mean. Just give. Be, 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 be there for them. Then you were on campus. Go back to the fellowship, for goodness sake. You need a new keyboard. Buy one on credit. Were well, you not planning to buy that car and pay bit by bit? Access Bank is offering you finance. Three years, you are still paying car loan. But if it is time to give a keyboard, you say, it's only a, I can't borrow to give. Line, you know, there are some doctors that doctors have told, they are lying doctrines. You say, should Christian borrow to give? I said, did you borrow to pay the house rent? Did you borrow to build this house? Did you borrow to buy a car? If the answer is yes, you can borrow to give. 
You buy a car, and for 12 months, you are giving tithes and offerings to one bank. Or the car dealer told you that he allows you to pay seven times. And you give him seven checks. Two days before each one is due, he calls you. And you can borrow to do that. Let me tell you something. Go to your parents. Buy a car for them on that basis also. You are changing your car. Your father's car is still, every time he will call you that, uh, if your car is showing red light in the middle of the express, what do I do? Common sense will not tell you that trailer will soon kill your father for you. And you are giving him advice. Just pack it and take care. <laughs> and you want to jog into long life. Listen, you will jog into a ditch. Yata. You will jog into a ditch. You want to jog into a long life? Your father has one. Old, is he driving a 504? Meanwhile. <laughs> You just bought a 2017 Camry. And your father is driving the car 504. In the name of Jesus, that car will catch fire. Say amen. amen. Apostle on my side, say amen. amen. <laughs> he said, Pastor Maki, but I bought it already. Pack it. Let me give you the word of God. You will not drive until you have settled him. A man that doesn't have more than 10 years, 6 years, you don't even realize, has just 2 years with you left. Oh, you think if you gave him the 2017 Camry, he will die? He will not die. Go and give it to him. Collect his 504. Use it for 2 years and see what the cost of it. Like I said, that's just an aside on giving. I hope you hear my point. So he said, Without life, it is the Christ. Honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. Paul said that was the first commandment with a promise. Obey that one. Then go and listen to what David said. Keep your mouth from speaking evil. Don't speak deceit. Seek peace. Pursue it. These are the things that keep somebody alive and well. Then, when you have finished that, if you like, eat raw tomato. They say it contains vitamin E. Your vitamin E will now work. You say pepper is very, very high in vitamin E. It's fairly, the hotter, the better. Mm-hmm. The redder, the better. Eat it that time. Say don't cook your food too long. Eat it raw if you like. Go and get a goat to teach you how to eat. It doesn't matter. Goat, how do you chew? It will show you how to chew raw leaf. Digest cellulose by force. I mean real goat. I don't mean a stupid man. I mean a goat. Go and ha- you know, Uyuboma has pets, all kinds of pets. When people can have pets, there's one, there's one Uyuboma in our midst here anyway. <laughs> he's standing somewhere behind the camera. I will not mention his name. I won't, and he's a man. Okay, there are two men standing behind the camera. Okay, when I look in the side, you should know. The Lord is good. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not telling you I'm looking at him right now. I'm just telling you that. He's the only man I have. One day my son told me that he was watching, reading something on television. and Sorry, on, on, on the web or on TV. On YouTube, okay. And I saw a man that had a tiger in his house. He also had a python and stuff like that. I said, he said, no, sir. 
that that is, the person is not uh, you is a black man. I say, that guy is fake black. It's a trans, trans, you know, there's transgender. That one's a trans race human being. That guy is a, is a white man trapped in a black skin. <laughs> black people don't keep tigers. We eat the tiger if necessary. Now, so, I found that people will use goat as pet. Goat. In Africa, we ain't got goat as pet, man. <laughs> Our goats have one direction. <laughs> Amen. We have different names for different dishes prepared with different parts of goats. We have names like, we have some Italian names like Nkwobi. Amen. <laughs> we have a Brazilian one called Isewu. Amen. Is that, is it not Brazilian? Or is it Portuguese? The Lord is good. So what I was saying is that if you like, eat with your goat, your pet goat, then you will live long. Let me tell you another thing. If you like, eat anyhow, you will still live long. You can't fulfill all of these scriptures. God will not say you did not eat proper amount of raw leaves. He will not let you die. Lie, lie. You will have two angels eat the leaf on your behalf. No, no. You will have unbelievers eat the leaf on your behalf, transfer the life to you, then they will die. You will give men in exchange for your life. He does that. You can't obey all these things. God will not say, hey, one day somebody died. Someone I called and I said, ah, how was his diet? I said, I don't understand. He said, he used to like a lot of eggs. I said, what? A man of God died? You're talking about eggs? I couldn't believe it. A man of God died. Listen, I will live long, amen? amen? But even if I die, don't go ask my wife, oh, what was he eating? The thing that will kill me, oh, a number of things. Let's go on. The, uh, the good side is God says, bank is enough, come. Bad side is that they say, this is your bad habit, stop it. You refuse to stop it, that's all. I'm not going to die because I'm not telling, taking daily aspirin. We will not be waking up. We will chemicalize our lives. Say, so take aspirin daily. I say, me? This guy? No. Aspirin should take me daily. Aspirin should wake up in the morning and say, Bank, let's swallow some of you. I say, sit down there. I preach the word. I'm telling you. Take what daily? Me? No. The point I'm making is this. If you fulfill the spiritual side of it, then anyone you do physically, do it because you enjoy it. Now, this man that runs from here to ninth mile and back, all the sins I've committed have been forgiven, so I'm not going to run that kind of run. You know, one time I run up and down like that, I say, which sin did I commit? I have not yet confessed. I feel like I'm under punishment. But if you like doing it, like me, I like carrying iron. Don't worry, it won't follow me. The Lord is good. Any exercise you like, do it that time. If you now decide that your diet is to be eating, um, some people say, nothing with fire before 5 o'clock, God will not be angry with you. Chop anything you like. As long, hey, let me quickly add this one to it. As long as you don't go preaching it as a source of health, if you do as a Christian, aha, uh-huh, you have become an enemy of God. He will just give, he will leave you as an example. Like the, the, the Joseph Prince said once he started this diet, he said he had never been to hospital that number of times in his life. So he threw it away and went back to his normal healthy self. One thing I've noticed personally in my life, anything I eat because it's a source of health, I become sick from it. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. 
I have a number of them in my head right now. There was a time garden eggs, this garden egg, garden eggs, used to make me sick. And I did not know. You just break out in a funny, funny rush like this, you know. And I have a very, you know, thoughtful mind. I'll be thinking, what is going on? One day, I just realized it was the garden eggs I was eating. I look at life from a spiritual perspective. Then I, my wife said, said that I used to eat as if it's going out of fashion. I just, they used to sell it a lot in bags. I used to live in Transeculo. I'm going, I just buy it. My wife insists you wash everything. Me, I don't have the patience. I rub it on my shirt inside the car. I'll be chewing it. Then the Lord looks at me, I'm warning you. But you know all this kind of eat raw, eat, I don't even know what I was thinking of. After a while, I realized that this thing was hurting me. I stopped. I didn't eat garden egg for maybe the next two years. Until I now realized that, listen, do your things in moderation. Don't be stupid. And I started again. And it didn't hurt me again. So one day, I wanted to put honey in my food. Do you know what I did? I looked to the Lord. I said, Lord, let me confess. Is it taste? I'm not kidding. I was about to put the honey. Then I stopped. I looked up. I said, Lord, it has a nice taste. That's all. I had to explain. People say, don't eat honey. You eat sugar. If you have, sorry, don't eat sugar. You eat honey. It's natural. You're a Christian. be talking that nonsense. Honey will start giving you diarrhea. Just watch what I'm telling you. Me, I eat sugar. Hey! This is the will of God concerning me. Sugar in my gary. How can you so gary without sugar? Only a sinner. Okay, I don't mean it right like that. I just mean that. Why will you be punishing yourself like that? And say sugar is not good for you. Says who? They told us not to eat egg. Cholesterol will kill you. I told people that is a lie. Don't ask me how I know. I have more understanding than my teachers because your meditations, your testimonies are my meditations. Although my main problem that time was that I would see thin, you know, where is Judah? Small hair. See, that, that, look at that guy over there. You see how thin he is? He sees suffering in the days of his youth. He has not yet, he never blew. They would tell me he does not eat egg because he has cholesterol. So I used to look at the Nigerians and say, who gave you egg in the first place? You see one of Kwelenge that does not even eat breakfast every day. He said, they remove the egg yolk. Better eat it so you can live. That was my initial quarrel with them. You see hungry people telling you that uh, fish is good for you. I said, bros, anyone where you see, chop them. Because there are some gospels they preach. You know the person has eaten. When an American wants to preach to you, be careful, though. If Bishop T.D. Jakes comes and says he doesn't eat egg, why should he eat egg? <laughs> Have you seen his size? <laughs> no, have you seen the size of some of those men? Those days, you know, uh, 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 Reverend Higgin, those days, uh, Kenneth Higgin, he said that he used to live a fasted life, that God said, don't eat everything you have to eat, don't eat too much, and all of that. So, you see, my brethren, when we were on campus, we wanted to be spiritual, which will not join fasted life. When we are going on the road, faster life. <laughs> there where we saw Brother Higgin that was living the faster life. Omo. There was no belt that you should go around that waist. Everyone they used suspender to hold the trouser in place. Then one day I went to America the first time. 
I said, no, in this country, you must live a fasted life. You know what you call a tray? In an American restaurant, that's a plate. No, I'm not exaggerating. That was my first time. Ah, I looked at what? Suddenly I began to realize why Brother Hagin, God had to tell him, live a fasted life. Because if you live an American life, if you live an American life, ah, once my friends and I were supposed to go out. That was, that was my first, very first time I went to the U.S. So we were supposed to go out with one of our classmates. So now I said, ah, we shouldn't eat too much because the guy's wife is preparing food for us. They're expecting us. Let's just eat something small. Three of us. So now I said, maybe we should just take a milkshake. So we sat down. In Nigeria, we don't do milkshakes. We do ice cream. And that's it, you know? So the guy gave me one cup. That was maybe like this height. <laughs> and he filled it with something. I said, what does it say? It's the milkshake. So I looked at the guy and said, where am I supposed to start from? The guy burst into laughter. <laughs> We're not supposed to eat, oh. No, this is not food. Oh, you don't get it. Oh, you didn't get it. <laughs> We're supposed to just do something, whole body small, until we go and eat. The, the, when, when this guy finished serving me food, two days like this, before the end of the third day, I learned to live a fasted life. Listen. That, okay, that was the trip I told you. That was my first trip to the U.S. One of the first habits I learned was to throw away food. I came back after about five weeks or six weeks, thereabout. When I came back, I didn't know I, I brought my bad American habit to Nigeria. When they leave the hotel, we were staying. The sugar we had remained. I just carried just around for dustbin. My wife said, wait. Because <laughs> <laughs> she came to meet me in Lagos. No, she, she didn't understand. No. Because when I was living, okay, because I, I was in New York for some time, then I went to Houston, stayed about a month in Houston. When I was living the, where I was staying in Houston, the last thing I did was to put all my food in the dustbin. The apple that I didn't eat, the drinks I left, I you know, put them down the sink, my milk that was remaining, sink, sink, sink. You know, if not here, you'll call your neighbor, you don't want milk. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the first. In fact, my friend said when they moved to the U.S., he said, Okay, it was this place I was staying in New York that time. He said when he first moved to the U.S. That his wife, when they want to throw away food, the wife said, no, 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 don't throw it away. They said, what are you going to do with it? They were staying with her sister. She said, don't worry, I'll eat it, I'll eat it. She gained, I think she gained 10 kg in one month. Then she had to learn to throw away food. Yes. Now, what I'm going to say is this. There's a reason why I'm saying all of that. So be careful when an American is preaching to you. He doesn't understand your problem. Your problem and his own, they are not the same. The one we said the other day, say, okay, when you want to spend money, put 10% aside. I said, it's obvious you're not owing your landlord. I, I hope you're getting my point. You have paid your children's school fees. Because that 10%, for some people, they, they kept it aside. Though. I mean, Jukes, they kept it aside, Abby. But after keeping it for three months, landlord came in the fourth month. They collected that with the landlord. They, they kept it aside too. People said, I'll keep it for my grandchildren. I said, hey, it's not your fault. Your children have eaten. I mean, one brother said, they said, this goes when they preach. He said, you can't preach where I am. They need that 10% to complete the food they are eating. 
I just tell preachers, try and stick with scripture. No, try. Because some things that we preach, eh, we just look and say, no, it's not your fault. Oh. I was say, when you are eating and you are full, you will deny God. <laughs> How do you deny God? It's simple now. Is that saying that, uh, you know, that the way to prosperity is know how to put 50% aside. Because it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I've, I've made this so that 50% is enough to eat and to satisfy everything. That's why you're preaching this gospel. I'm not saying you shouldn't give 50% aside if you have that excess. You should. But please, don't make it a doctrine. Some people can't afford to put that amount aside. They can't. Like I was saying, so some of us, were, when we saw Brother Hagen and Co., we realized that no, they needed the fasted life. A stud, a, an average student living on campus cannot do fasted life. Can you trek from hostel to classroom and back? You need all the food you can get. What am I going to explain with all of this I'm saying? Let me not leave my message. The point I'm making all of this, of this is this. Life comes for us from the word of God. Life for us comes from the spiritual realm. We tackle, we make sure we are not carnal. We start with the spiritual and we never focus on the physical. Daddy, I wanted to take my honey. I told the Lord it has a nice taste. In my mind, I needed to get his approval because if I focus on honey as a source of health, one day I will eat poisonous honey. So I enjoy honey. I put it in my stuff. It has, it has its own unique sweet taste. It doesn't taste like sugar. You know that? The sweetness is different. I enjoy it, but I don't look at it as a source of health. So anything I want to eat, I put my hands over it and I thank God for it. I want to drink water, I give, th- I'm not joking, I give thanks to drink water. Father, I thank you for water. Then we drink it and it pours life into us. And this is, an, we're not just trying to make ourselves happy. These are real things. If you are full of complaint and grumbling, listen to me, your food will become poisonous to your system. If you are full of thanksgiving, food that people thought was not good, it will be a blessing to you. Have you not seen the Bible like that? Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Nazariah. What happened to them? They ate food that was supposedly deficient, but they came out looking robust. Why? Man does not live by bread alone. There is something that the Spirit puts and... Listen, listen, listen. Everything you see physically was made out of a spiritual substance. I hope you know that. And God the Creator has not retired. It still speaks. And things that did not exist will come into existence. And one way you can bring that his creative power into your life is thanksgiving. How do I know? Jesus, they gave him five loaves and two fish. And there were thousands of people that needed food. The Bible was careful to emphasize to us that he gave thanks. And later when he wanted to refer to it, he said this was what happened after he gave thanks that time and multiplied the loaves. That is, multiplied the Lord after giving thanks. The giving of thanks, the Bible kept on emphasizing it. So I I encourage people all the time, no matter how little your money is, please don't whine. Don't complain. Don't think you have the right to complain or to whine simply because you can explain why the money is so small. 
We are walking by the power of the Spirit. The money is small. Give thanks for it first. You'll be amazed how God will make you with 2,000 get the result of people that need, that have 200,000 with 2,000. There are times God will finish blessing you. By the time you finish spending 2,000 you know, finish doing everything you have done, you're supposed to do, you will have gotten a result of a man, a woman who spent half a million naira and your 2,000 naira is still remaining complete. He does that. So, first thing you do is to give thanks. You have water, give thanks. They give you a slice of bread, give thanks. They say, oh, it's a COVID period, lockdown, lockdown. So people can't pay. Uh, uh, companies can't pay as much as they used to pay. So they give you half salary. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when, when there was no lockdown, uh, was it giving us extra salary? Uh, what kind of nonsense is this one? <laughs> you better go and ask the British Airways workers what happened to them. They've all gone home. Most airlines have sent people home. Somebody giving you, just collect and give thanks. Not because of the person giving it to you, but because God is the supplier. What does Thanksgiving do? Thanksgiving brings the life, the power, the creative power of God into the little that you, that you have. It does that. I think we should read somewhere, right? I, we have not read it. You know, I began this by saying that Christians can be very carnal. And we have to be careful that we are not carnal. What does it mean to be carnal? To look at everything from the physical perspective and not realize that it's a spiritual dimension to everything. That's the meaning of being carnal. So we have to focus on the spiritual. Let's set our minds on the things that are above. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 23, and I'm going to stop in verse 25. First of all, let me read it from a simple translation, and I'll go to the Amplified. No, verse 23, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. And to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they had will be taken away from them. Now, I'm going to read that from the Amplified in a moment. From verse 23, Amplified. If anyone has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will decide the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. Now, listen to that. Be careful what you focus on. Be careful what you imbibe. The measure of thought, the measure of concentration, the measure of study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge. That is power, spiritual power that will come to you. He said even more besides will be given to you. Now, what was he saying here? Let me just emphasize something. The way you tap into the power of the Spirit that we are talking about is through contemplation. We are talking about, well, we really didn't get much into it today, but we'll continue it, of course, next time, about what salvation is. Why are we taking so much time to explain what salvation is? One way by which you tap power from spiritual things 
is to think about them. Please follow what I want to say very carefully. That's why I read this. You tap power from spiritual things with your mind, with your focus, with your attention. That is, you can sit down. You know, have you, I'm, not a good, I'm not a football fan, so I'm not very good with football. But you know, sometimes when I see the analysis from football, you know, I'm amazed. That this amount of information is available to decipher from 22 adults chasing a plastic ball and kicking it up and down. No, if you look at it from the from outside, assuming you're an alien, you landed on the earth, they will look silly. Do you know that? But because you're into sports, to you it's not ridiculous. When I saw the analysis, they will say this is the first time a ball, a goal is being scored within the between 17 meters distance in the first eight minutes of a game. Now, the last time it happened was when Brazil played Argentina in, 19, in 1992. They will give you the studies. You'll be looking like, what? That this is the first time the captain of a team is scoring in every match in the, in the opening rounds. And you, you, So when you see the football, the, the analysis page, all kinds of data. Oh, that this, is, that this is the seventh time this particular country is replying a goal within three minutes after the halftime. You know, you start all kinds of data. And you now see about four guys who sit in the studio. You know, um, um, DSV, ZM, what they call them? Super Sport. They have these fantastic studios. You now see people just down there, they give you all kinds of analysis. Um, so, JJ, what do you think about that? They said, oh, no, you know, if, you know they'll be giving you statistics. You know, people like us that don't watch this, but you'll just be amazed. You'll be looking and say, ah, now, wow, the Lord is great. The Lord is great. It's not even just the studies they give. It's how much of it they know. Do you know why? I, I don't know much of that. Do you know why? No attention. No contemplation. Football and me, we don't, we don't get along. It's a spiritual matter. You can be playing the, the finals of UEFA Cup on my sitting room table. And I will get up to go and answer a phone call. A man threw his wife out of the window. I think in South America or somewhere in Europe. Because he kept on walking past. You know, he's there watching the match. The, man will be, the woman will walk on up and down. And I think, I think at the point in time she stood, she was playing. She now blocked him. The man took the woman, flung her out of the window. And they're living on maybe like sixth, seventh floor. That's not the gist. And he did not know until the match was over. No, it really happened. You can Google it up. It really happened. One of these World Cup series, those days. The match was over. Honey, where are you? Honey was out of the window. Listen to what I want to say. If you focus on the word of God like that, power will enter your life. That's what I'm explaining. I'm not talking about just funny spiritual things. I mean truth. Because what I've been expounding here is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have been talking about Jesus Christ. If you focus on the things we have been saying, power will enter your life. How do we focus on it? Listen, it's very simple. Listen, it's, not just, it's difficult to just focus and say, oh, Jesus on the cross. Oh, Jesus on the cross. That's not focus. You're going to get confused like that because Jesus on the cross. No. Just the things that we have been discussing were separated from God. Today I wanted to go into reconciliation. 
Now we have been reconciled. Then you think about the concept of separation from God. How somebody took you and reconciled you back to the Father. How did he do it? Oh, Jesus paid the price for that separation. Wow. He gave himself up. He existed in equality with God. Then he came back down in human flesh. And he was obedient to the point of death. You talk about resurrection. What is And listen to me. That's the job. Listen, if you're a preacher, that's your job. Especially when you're a teacher of the word. Is to give people things to keep thinking about. I hope you're getting my point. Give, that is, now we're talking about what salvation is. Today's the sixth day on it. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not even halfway through. And we're talking about salvation. Let's assume I end up doing this for 12 meetings. 14 meetings. By the time you listen to it again and again and again, you have something to discuss every time. That's what I'm, that's what I'm using that football as an example. There is something to discuss. Okay, what is the, where does, because one of the things I wanted to talk about today, I didn't get there. Where does sickness come from? What is sickness? What is a disease? How did Jesus solve that problem? There's something to talk about, to think about all the time. I hope you're getting my point. How do we resist temptation? Okay, today we talked about grace. What is grace? Okay, you mean if I obey little, God does plenty? Then you're, talk, you're thinking about grace. Now I've discussed extensively now about food. About thanksgiving. Then you sit down at home and say, wow, how have I been giving thanks? Have I been giving thanks? Oh, I think I'm owing a lot of thanksgiving. Father God, I want to thank you for food of last year. year Of the year before. Thank you for the times I complained. The beans that I said had too much stone. The rice that did not the stone. You give thanks for all of that. Thank you for the abundance. When we had ice cream and we were, my friends and I were sharing. You just keep on thanking God. That's how you contemplate. That's how you contemplate. That's how you contemplate. The more you contemplate these things, the more power is released into your life. Listen. Ebola will come near your door and disappear. These are real spiritual truths. We're not just trying to make ourselves feel happy. These are real spiritual truths. The problem, you know, I started with carnality, right? The problem is that we so, listen to this, we so fill our heads with a carnal aspect to life, that the spiritual aspect is weak. So, listen, there's something that God said. He said, you run with ordinary men, and they wore you out. He said, what will you now do when you start running against horses? This is where I'm going. How you, how you build strength to face the challenges of life. I hope you're getting my point. I, I think I told you this once. I saw a woman on TV. They were interviewing her. She said that when I don't need money, I don't pray. That I go and work. And she said, matter of factly, you see, these are the things I'm saying. You see, she has built her ability to handle financial stress in a particular way, her own ability to work. Except that one day, stress will come when there's no work to do. I hope you get my point. I think about this COVID thing now. Lockdown everywhere. 20 million Americans out of work. And it's like that all over the world. It's like that all over the world. When you hear that Naira is sliding against the dollar, it is because we can't sell uh, our crude oil. Why can't we sell it? Airlines are not buying. They're not flying anywhere. People are not driving all over the place. The demand is really down. It was so down at a point in time. American oil producers would pay you to take the oil. Oil was going to add to at minus $3 a barrel. You know what that means? They would pay you to take the oil. They didn't have a way to keep it. 
that time of crisis is when you now want to use that faith you have built that says, I don't pray for money. When I need money, I go and work. The day I saw that, I said, obviously, you live in a place where work is available anytime you want it, and you don't have the kind of need that you can't work for. Oh, yes. What if the need even came from your inability to work? I don't know what I get my point. You are the one that fell sick. You don't say, I have health insurance. You don't know your treatment is in a country that your health insurance does not cover. You can't work. Your health insurance does not cover. What I want to explain here. You see, sometimes we put ourselves in a kind of situation where we cripple our own faith. It's not built to be able to tap into the challenges that may come against us in life. That's what I mean when I say that. Listen, we fill ourselves so much with carnal knowledge. That is, how do I make sure my heart is healthy? I run um, 500 meters every day, fast. I don't eat too much of salt. I don't eat too much of cholesterol. It, I'm not saying it doesn't work at all. There's only one problem. What if somebody stabs you in that heart? I hope you're getting my point. Is all of these things you have done, will it keep you alive? The answer is no. You forget the particular problem. What if the real problem of your heart? If I tell you, you know, <laughs> you know I'm a pathologist by training. I've seen, I've seen all kinds of strange heart diseases. Strange. I still remember one young man when I was in Lagos. He just dropped down dead. Boom. When we found out what was wrong with him, nobody on this earth could have guessed ahead. There's no, and there's no way you could have treated him. Because the vessel carrying all the blood out of his heart just spotted a leak one, <laughs> one centimeter after leaving the heart. Those of you know, the way the heart is, you know that that's instant death. Because the, the blood just leaked around the heart, compressed the heart, the heart stopped, and he died. You couldn't have jogged that out of his life. There was, there was no diet to control that. He was too young for that to have become, And he wasn't fat. He was one slim guy like this. About 20-something, at maximum 30 years of age. What do you think? Jogging, 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 jogging. Keeping your diet, keeping your diet. The coronavirus not infects your heart. There are diseases that just come. There's nothing you can do about them. If you have built your faith on using your energy to keep yourself alive, what do you do at such times? That's the point we're making. That's what I mean when I say you run with horses, you run against men, they wore you out. What will you do when you're not running against horses? You know what happened the other time in America? It's still going on right now in Europe. You have health insurance, we know. But fear gripped people. I saw doctors say that the problem they are now having is that a lot of people are dying at home because they don't want to come to hospital and get infected with coronavirus. So health insurance is not even helping them. There are people who are having heart attacks and they are refusing to call. Because if they call, you are going to carry them to where? The hospital. Intensive care unit. Which is where they keep severe coronavirus infection. So people are now staying at home. I have heart attack. Don't worry. It will go. (laughs) That is health insurance is failing people. 
You know, before they say they will test, you have to be te- you have a, a, a negative three times for coronavirus. You understand? And then, then they will not let you go. Right now, my friend in America said, look, once don't look like you are dying, we are discharging you. So we just check. <laughs> it's so funny. So we just check. If you don't look like you plan to die tomorrow, you are going home. Why? We need the bed. There are people sicker than you around. <laughs> so they just evacuate people. Is he going to die now? No. Does it look very bad? No. Tell him to call if anything goes wrong. Yeah, discharge. They stay at home. Don't go anywhere. Don't infect anybody else. The fellow is still shedding the virus. They know. He's not fully well. He said, but we can't keep him. We need the space. There are people sicker than him. God said, oh, you thought you had health insurance. Now the people you are paying to insure your health, they are tired of you. They say you are not sick enough. That's why we can't, we can't afford this carnality. We can't afford it. They say, budget your life like this. <laughs> I said, you haven't seen trouble. I've seen people save money in banks. Oh, now, banks don't collapse again. Those days of banks collapsing. One guy called his pastor. Pastor said, what? He said, pastor, please pray. When somebody just called and said, pastor, please pray. Just know there's wahala. He's not even discussed. He said, pastor, please, just, you need to pray. The days that people like me will struggle to earn 5,000 naira, a whole month of working. The guy, a young man, done, done business, done this. He lost 2 million naira in a bank. And he woke up in the morning. He heard the bank was distressed. In case you do not know, his money was insured to the tune of 50,000 naira. So he called, he said, Pastor, please pray. I hope you're getting what I'm doing seeing all of these things. That, listen, there's nowhere you can, in this life, people save their money. Bernard Madoff said, I guarantee you 20% returns every year. So an American that had $5 million with Bernard Madoff, was guaranteed he will get $1 million back every year. No, unless you, something is wrong with your head. Eh? $1 million is a lot of money to spend in a year. You will buy, look, you just be driving only Bentleys and Rolls Royces. And you have enough money to take good care of yourself. I saw this woman and this man, a couple. I saw them on TV. When Bernard Madoff, everybody woke up and realized that the man was lying. The money was not anywhere. Those guys were millionaires. Overnight, they became poor. And you, I still remember his beautiful R-class Mercedes-Benz. Immediately, he converted it to airport taxi. This man was a millionaire. But to eat now, he needed to be... He converted his expensive Mercedes-Benz to airport taxi. You know, this man grew up working hard. He didn't let that keep him down. Immediately, he and his wife, they were taking calls from the airport. You see the part of America they live in? Tush neighborhood. But nothing now, nothing, nothing. All their money was saved with Bernard Madoff's investment company. was gone overnight. Then somebody now says to me, save money so that you will not go broke. Jesus said something clear. Let's be Christians. He said, do not lay up treasure on the earth. He said, you know the problem with the earth? Moth destroys, and Bernard Madoff will break in and steal the money. So I tell Christians, that same energy you used to focus on these mundane things as security for your health, for your finances, for your future, 
please, I'm begging you, use that energy to contemplate Jesus Christ. Lie down and just plan Psalm 23. <laughs> so we are planning finances today. Where are we planning from? Psalm 23. I still remember the day God showed me that banking, you know, you are not practicing what you, are, you, you claim to believe. Oh. It was the time I, was, I went to get married. Every money I had that time, I was plowing towards preparing every little money that I see. Hey, money is coming from here. You grab. Then one day I realized that he said in First Timothy chapter 6, from verse 17, he said, instruct those who are rich in this world not to be conceited or put their hope in the unset- on the uncertainty of riches. That is, what's sent to them, riches, no matter how much of it you have, is uncertain. He said, instruct them, tell them to put their hope in God, who richly gives us all things to enjoy. Tell them to learn to be generous, to know how to share. Once I read that, I saw what God was saying to me, that you kicked away generosity because you said you needed money. Do you know, immediately, I corrected myself. I, I started my generous life again. I remember I went to church next Sunday. I gave money to my pastor. I said, God bless you, sir. You've been a blessing. He didn't know what I was doing. You know what they call penance? One of mine was wedding the same period. I went and met him. I said, boy, I see you have been spending money. Take this to join for your wedding preparation. I'm sure he thought I hit the jackpot. He thought I had so much cash. Oh, he didn't know that. No, it's not money I had. I didn't have money. But David said, I rejoice at your word as one that finds what? Great treasure. So actually, I got money that day. Just that it was not physical money. I simply said to the Lord, you have to be the supplier. All this grab, grab, grab that I was been doing, no, I relaxed it. I made sure I became freer. Listen, laying treasure in heaven is the real thing. It's genuine. It's genuine. What I'm going to say, we must contemplate. Listen, power is available. The problem, you know what God said? He said, it's my hand too short that I can, so that I cannot deliver. That is, sometimes the people of God will not be delivered. Yeah, you see them in bondage and there's no deliverance. And because you have to ask yourself, what is the reason? What is the reason? In their situation, he said it was because their iniquity separated them from where God could deliver them. What I'm going to say, in our own situation, I'm giving you a prophetic word today. God said the problem is that the people are too carnal. They are not tapping into spiritual energy. Sometimes they pray. Yes, I know. But they pray when everything has failed. It's not a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of desperation. There's nothing else to do. They have followed other gods for the last 15 years of their lives. They wanted they are sick. The doctor said, I can't help you. They now come to me. I hope you are getting my point. It's not a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of desperation. It's different from a prayer of faith. You have, you have observed everything they said. You have used genes. You have used diet. You have used exercise. You have used everything human. There are pills you've been taking every day. Even when you could not afford them. One of my classmates, one day I saw him. I saw a, a, a pharmacist handing him a pack. So I said, what are you doing? He said, I just want to be sure. I said, sure of what? He said that uh, he took, uh, he, did a, he went to do ECG to check his heart. He, okay, let me not bore you with details. But one particular wave was not going the wavy, the correct direction. And his blood pressure is a bit high. He said, let him just be sure. So this pharmacist was not selling. You know, they handed the drug over like you think it's cocaine. These boys are selling. So they handed him cholesterol-lowering drugs. 
I look at him and say, oh boy, do you know this drug you're about to start taking is dangerous? You're not sick. He said, no, just good to be sure. Another of my friends said that he gave it to his patient and the patient developed acute pancreatitis and that one kills. Oh. Now, my gist is that at that time this guy was buying these drugs. If you know how costly they were, you are spending this amount of money just to be sure. And you drink it like that too, for the next few years. And then one day, he will fall sick. He will now say to God, deliver me. And God will say, in the last six years, all you have done is obey all the instructions of man. You have not been careful to obey the instructions of the Spirit. Let me end my message here. What am I teaching you today? Basically, is that Matthew chapter, that Mark chapter 4. People of God, you have contemplated coronavirus enough. Let me give you an assignment. Go home and go and read the story of the plague that came upon Egypt and say to God, you are God. You are the deliverer from death. Go and read the story of the plague that came upon Israel when David sinned against God and say to him, only you can stop the plague from progressing. You are not prayed at all. You are just recognizing that the power belongs to God. It's an important recognition. David said, once he has spoken, twice I have heard it. What did I hear? The power belongs to God. It does not belong to any virus. They say coronavirus is killing people. I say, eh, that's his job. But you know the truth? Nobody knows who it will kill or who it will not kill. You hear some people that they say coronavirus. How do you know? Now you can't die again. But let me say to you again, death is not an accident. You lie down at home, close your eyes and think about it. That death is not an accident. You have elderly parents, don't be worried for them. Pray for them. You know, he said, when I see that blood, I will pass over you. Don't think that they are going to die by accident. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Take this accident chance thing out of your mind. Know that your life is not an accident. That's the contemplation I'm talking about, telling you about. Just remember that Saul died for the trespass he committed against God. But he died in battle. Same thing with Ahab. When Ezekiah prayed, God said, you will not die now. He didn't die. Assyrians came and besieged Jerusalem. They besieged Jerusalem. Sennacherib was boasting and boasting and boasting. Sent his general to go and boast about the city, against the city. Then Ezekiah sent men to Isaiah. And Isaiah said, go and tell Ezekiah that he will not shoot an arrow against the city. I will make him hear a rumor. He will depart from you. Later he heard that, I think the, either the Ethiopians or the Lubim or the Egyptians were attack, attacking him. Then he, moved, he, he planned and pulled back. And God sent an angel and in one night, in one night, one angel killed 185,000 soldiers. So naturally he went back home, his own sons killed him. The power belongs to God. Soldiers came to take Elisha. And last my master, how shall we do? Elisha said, what is the problem? Those who are on our side, they are greater than those who are on the side of coronavirus. I hope you are getting my point. I you see what I'm doing? I'm just telling Bible stories. You know, there's something I, 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 I told us here before. Tell Bible stories. If you have authentic, I have many. In your personal life, Testimonies people have given you, 
authentic stories of deliverance. Tell them. Just about them. Tell your friend. There's something my wife and I do, my wife and I do once in a while with children at home. We just sit down and tell Bible stories. We just be there laughing. They are real stories. Tell them. That's how you because the more you tell those stories, the more you, your mind shifts towards the things of the spirit, and you're able to tap the power of God into your real life, your everyday life. Don't let Corona news impress you. This person died. Did the Bible not say you will hear with your ears? Don't let it scare you. Don't let it. Just keep on saying, death is not an accident. The power of life and of death is with the Lord Jesus Christ. The keys of gate and of Hades. He's the giver of life. He's the one that gives life. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. He's giving life to my mortal body. That's by contemplating. Sometimes I take scriptures, gather like 10 of them, read them out. Explain it to yourself. If you're a married person, explain it to your wife or your husband. Even if the person is falling asleep, while you are explaining, just continue explaining. Be pinching your wife, she's sleeping. Pinch her. Say, I've not finished explaining. Say, but I want to sleep. You will sleep after. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. Say, my husband, are we lacking anything? That's the idea. We are not lacking anything. Amen. <laughs> so even though we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Listen, even if you are standing between a gas tanker and a petrol tanker, and the two of them want to explode at the same time, we will fear no evil. Amen. See, my husband, what is this gas tanker? No, I'm just talking about death. There's shadow of death. You know, two of them beside you. Then read another line. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. Amen. Whether you make sense or not, just keep talking. You've heard all kinds of stories. And listen to me. You must be a reader. Go and buy this book, Adventures in God, by John Graham Lake, John G. Lake. If you can get it, I'm sure it'll be available on the internet. Download things like that. Just fill your head with spiritual experiences. That is how we enter into spiritual experiences ourselves. One major reason why our spiritual spiritual experiences have been low is because we have been too filled with fleshly and earthly meditations. And that has shut off the power of God from flowing into our lives. Remember, there's nothing you see on this earth that's not controlled from the realm of the Spirit. Let's bow down our heads and give the Lord thanks. Just give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. The power of Christ is your portion in the name of Jesus. I said the power of Christ, that is your portion in the name of Jesus. Let me say this to you. No evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. Don't worry. Coronavirus will not kill you. It can't. It can't. Brag like that. Nothing wrong with bragging. It will not kill your children. I will not kill your parents. Your loved ones... Because you, you know, I said, mention the, do it again. I give you 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Pray for somebody. Mention your father, your uncle, your children, your wife, your daughter, your husband, whatever. The prayer is not long prayer. Just say, Father, I ask of you, keep this person safe in the name of Jesus. Let no evil befall him. Let no evil befall her. Let no plague take this one away from me. Let them die only at the time they are fulfilled the purpose for their lives. 
Draw them closer to you. Let them see you. Immunize them from every disease. Lord, I ask of you in the name of Jesus. Now, as you have requested, it is granted you in Jesus' name. Ah, do you agree with me? Yes, sir. I said, as you have requested from God, so he has granted it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You, you are safe. Amen. Your loved one, your wife, your husband, the person is safe. Amen. Your children, they are safe. Amen. Your parents, they are safe. Amen. Anyone whose name you mention now is safe in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will hear news, but it will not come near you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember we said at the beginning, God has granted us favor. Yes, we have not changed our minds. God said, I have withdrawn death from your life. Amen. I have withdrawn troubles from your soul. Amen. And that is your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the midst of scarcity, you will not lack. Amen. Every day, expect a miracle. Amen. I said, in the midst of scarcity, you will not lack. Amen. I want you to do something. If you are in a business, it's slow right now. It's a good time for you to pray. To know what to do now and what to do later. Two things. It's a good time. Don't, don't panic. God knew that this will happen. When things were happening in Israel, you think uh, in Egypt, you think Israelites were running up and down. No, they also stayed at home. They calmed down. God was just keeping things away from them. It lasted a short while, then they were free. This will last a short while and you will be free. But while you are resting, while things are slow, first, you will not go hungry. Amen. Say amen. amen. But prepare to go to a higher level. Amen. There will be wisdom you will learn in this season. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Continue praying, giving God thanks. Every day, kneel down, give thanks. Don't complain. Eh? I thought that by now, by now, my, 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 this day will have, been, by now, I will have done this amount of things. Look at my turnover this year. It's not even up to the first month of last year. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's nonsense talk. What do I call it? Rubbish talk. What should you do? Get on your knees. Father, I will thank you. Read Psalm 91. Read it again. Give thanks for every verse. Lord, I thank you because I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and I'm abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I say it again. You are my strength, my refuge, my God. In you I trust. Declare it again. You deliver me from the snare of the trapper and from deadly, the deadly pestilence. A thousand will fall by my side. Ten thousand. You just keep on declaring it. No evil will befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling place. You, dis, 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 you dis, dis, declare it to the end. Do it two or three times. Do it until you are tired. When you are done with thanksgiving, then don't give thanks in spite of what is going on. Give thanks for what is not happening. That is like, Lord, I thank you. Because normally by now, I'll have been doing 2.5 million era in sales, but I'm still on 150,000. I thank you because the excess is not necessary at this moment. That's why you have kept it away. Yes, give thanks like that. Give thanks like that. Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? We're in a valley right now, Lord. But I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In the valley, you are with me. The Bible doesn't say you will not pass. It said even though. So, Lord, this is one of the those periods. You are with me. You give thanks like that. Say, Lord, I receive the wisdom for this season and for the one that is coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Leave it like that. Let me prophesy to you. In the next season, God will restore to you the years that the locusts ate. He will restore it back double. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let me give you another word. 
at the end of this, you will be enriched. Amen. You will not be set back in any way. Amen. Whatever was slowed now. Ah, let me give you a Yoruba proverb. It's so appropriate at this point in time for you. I'll first give you in Yenka's language. And I'll give you in English. Have you ever seen two rams fighting? When they want to do strong things to them, what do they do? They go back. So Yoruba man says, That is the he goat that went back. He didn't run away. He went to gather strength. <laughs> they say, He went to bring strength. In the name of Jesus, strength will come back with you. Amen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Strength will come back with you. Amen. Sometimes you've been so busy, you didn't have time for new ideas. Gather your ideas. I hope I get my point. When, when you charge next, the momentum in your soul will be greater than ever before. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God will give you the power to create wealth. Amen. Hey, another thing, don't be, if, if, if the price of dollars scares you, don't read it. I hope you're getting my point. Me, it doesn't scare me. Maybe my problem is age. I'm now, you know, this is my wife, beer, beer. I didn't bleach it though. It grew normally, the normal way. The godly way. You wake up, it turned gray one by one. So maybe that's my problem. Because I was old enough to see dollar one to one to the Naira. I saw it go to four. I was in university when it went to four. And my friend's professor said that to get to ten. And I was angry with him. That to get to ten. I was in Lagos when it got to seventy. I just got to Enugu when it crossed a hundred. I was doing ministry when he was doing 120. You know what I found out? At 120, we were on one radio station. At 400, we are on 22 radio stations. See why I'm not scared? If you let me reach 1,000, we'll be on 200 radio stations. I rejoice in the Lord, and I command you to rejoice. It is well with you in Jesus' name. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death.